Lights. Camera. I'm gonna, I'm make, gonna you make you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the intro. <laughs> So that Say would hi, make Rick. you the godfather of hosting. Oh, I like that. And you have a I cat. Like Wait a second. Godfather. You have a cat. You have a cat. So right there. And you've been to Italy, to Sicily. So Yes, I have been. You know, I have been. To we Italy, didn't Sicily. go to Corleone. We didn't go to the Corleone region. Um, and even we, though we don't talk about this in our film, our documentary film, but we searched the Betty Paoli where the inspiration they were the inspiration for the mafia. So you know, we're, we're apparently the, the mob. Yeah, the mob got yeah. inspired off a really cool book. And we may have saw the mob. Uh, I don't think we said that behind the scenes, but pretty sure while we were in, in Sicily, we saw two, <laughs> we saw two Maseratis and a gigantic gun hanging down your Armani suit. Um, that's pretty scary. Like, whether yeah, it's a yeah, mob so or not, a... we don't talk about it. We don't think about it, but we thought about it. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, I'm. I, uh, so Godfather's a pretty good name. I'm the Godfather of this podcast, talking today about another one of my uh, idols here in terms of careers and what I would mm-hmm. like to do. Because just like Orson Welles, uh, we're talking about Marlon Brando, who also got fat and stopped caring, and I can't wait to get to that phase of my career. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's too difficult for me. <laughs> so, but the one, the only, the great Marlon Brando. And just in case you don't know who he is, we'll talk a little about his life, uh, his career, some of our favorite films that he's been in. But most famously, and we'll talk about a brush we'll in it, but the it. Godfather himself. Just in case you mm. don't know who Marlon Brando is, he's the one who played the Godfather in the titular movie, The Godfather. Uh, probably for a lot of people who listen to this podcast and our generation, probably what he's best well known for, even though he's had a very expensive and did no. so much stuff. Um, it kind of gets boiled down nowadays to like, he was the Godfather. It's like, Oh, he was so much more than that. <laughs> he had a <laughs> massive, he had a massive career, but I think that with Marlon Brando, really what it boils down to is this, there's like two or three different faces of Marlon Brando's career. Uh, mm-hmm. Marlon Brando, um, I think started around the same time as James Dean when those those yeah and and I think I I I think James Dean might have started a little later but essentially the whole thing was you had this whole new crop of actor popping up and they were trying to create new leading men um you know the big the first big star was obviously James Dean then you had your Rock Hudson's Montgomery Cliss people like that but then came Marlon Brando and Marlon Brando did incredible films early on in his career like On the Waterfront and uh, The Defiant Ones all this stuff uh, which were iconic scenes that were later ripped off in other films like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Crap uh, Skull 
Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know that movie. Yeah, I don't either. They only did three, three Indiana Jones. Three right? Indiana Jones movie. There was a movie where they took a dump in a skull and wanted to call it Indiana Jones, but it wasn't really Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> that's and if you've seen South Park, anyway. Um, so don't do that to Andy. <laughs> so so uh, coming back to old Marlon, there's there's that. There's that period of time where Marlon Brando was really, like, mm-hmm. at his peak as an actor. And physically, because this guy was very good-looking dude. Mm-hmm. Um, then you move forward into the 60s, and his career sort of starts ebbing down a little oh. bit. And then he comes back in the 70s with films like Last Tango in Paris, The Godfather, um, Apocalypse Now... Mm-hmm. And eventually he moves up into Superman, but also one one thing that that's climbing along with his star is his weight. So there's there's Marlin in the in the early part of his career. Then there's Marlin um, in the seventies. You know. Then there's I don't give a damn anymore, Marlin, and he makes a comeback and does films like The Freshman. Remember The Freshman with Matthew Broderick. Yes. Where it's a massive spoof of The Godfather, and he's doing the—I mean, the guy was just spoofing, like the biggest film. That he's, so he's one of those people that had tons of facets. He did Doctor The Island of Doctor Moreau, which um, which I do want to talk about eventually. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> and he did The Island of Doctor Moreau, the remake of that in the '90s. He also did um, Don Don Juan DeMarco, Johnny Depp in the a '90s. Fantastic movie. And really was one of those guys that was iconic, no matter what he looked like, no matter what he was doing. I mean, he worked just on, even on music videos, like, I think he worked on the, on one of the final, like, Michael Jackson music videos where he played, a, like, a crime boss. But You rock my world. You yep. rock my world, right? That was it. Yep. And so, Marlon Brando was really, there's multiple ways to remember him depending on when you were born and also he's one of those people that was known for a very controversial to say the least attitude about a lot of things that you know he was a causist if you've done your you know your your homework on 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 marlon brando you know he was a causist Mm-hmm. And he got into he got into things. Um, some people say it was to you know shake up the system. Others say it's because he just loved causing trouble. You know, yeah. I he don't was, know, but he was one of the original bad boys of Hollywood. Real bad boy, yeah. <laughs> real bad. <laughs> they, they literally called him a bad boy of Hollywood, uh, <laughs> which I don't even think that kind of exists in the Marlon Brando way like now anymore. Uh, it couldn't exist anymore because Marlon Brando, like when people would talk about Marlon Brando being a bad boy, they talked about how he loved to drink, which doesn't surprise me at all because it looked like he had 12 livers by the time he died. Um, <laughs> he also, they talk about the fact that he was one of those people that would just say what he was thinking at all times, even if it wasn't mm-hmm. the most flattering thing. Yep. And I mean, there's like this audio of him just blasting Burt Reynolds in a conversation with Francis Ford Coppola, which, I mean, if you, Jonathan, if you can find that, it's like Burt, um, Marlon Brando goes in on Burt Reynolds or something like that. I don't know where it is. Um, but 
Growing up, I was introduced to Marlon Brando as Superman's father. Like, I didn't actually watch yes. Godfather until I was in my teens. Same um, here. The first, the first thing I was introduced to him was Superman's father. Yeah, and to me, the cool thing, because I thought Superman was such a great movie, you know, and definitely for its time it was a great movie, um, I thought his performance was insanely good because... You didn't want to see him die, and you saw him on the cool, like, shiny uh, Superman dad robe. Yeah. You know, which was covering, <laughs> apparently, like, a massive weight gain that he had, like, between Apocalypse Now and Superman and stuff like that. It was really gaining weight. Um, and then you look at the stuff that he did in the 70s, like Godfather, Last Tango in Paris, and stuff like that. And Marlon Brando was really... A phenomenal actor. He just made you care. Oh, amazing. That every amazing. every character that he made you care. Like I cared about Superman's dad not dying. And when he mm. died, I felt that. You know? Yep. Um, just because he's resigned. If you see that scene at the end, like not at the end, but towards the beginning, it was just only at like a fifteen minute scene or whatever. Uh not even a fifteen minute scene. Um he you see him holding his his uh, uh, the actress who played his wife in that you know Superman's mother resigning themselves to death and the death that's coming and in the Godfather you see he's such he's a mobster he's a mafioso but he cares somehow he cares for his people he knows the difference between doing what you need to do for your business which might not be the greatest thing in the world, and then caring for the people that need to be cared for. Yeah. No, not expecting a tribute from everyone, but rather, how can I help you? How can I help your life improve? Um, and, go ahead. and so, since you're talking about The Godfather and you're talking about the Burt Reynolds thing, uh, just look it up, and apparently... Burt Reynolds was in the running for the role of Michael Corleone to play Brando's son, basically, in the film. And Brando said he would walk if they cast him. And he said he is the epitome of something that makes me want to throw up. He's the epitome of everything that is disgusting about the thespian. He works at the temple of his own narcissism. Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. not a fan of and the, and the audio, And the audio, just like, you hear Francis Ford Coppola just sort of gasp at how basically... Uh, flawlessly, he basically spews all of this. Uh, mm -hmm. and, oh, yeah, no, 100%. And, uh, we, and we talk a little, just because we're on The Godfather, um, before, so Brando did have a career, but in the 60s, they did die. Part of that is, of course, he was focusing on other stuff in his own life, because he's always a person who his own personal life meant more than his career. Uh, which I don't think you get a lot of that now. If if yeah. he was like, eh, like I I want to live in Tahiti, which he did with people, he would do that and not care about his career more than actual the people around him. And during the '60s, especially during civil rights, he was with people like James Baldwin. He was outspoken about assassination of Martin Luther King and other things that would get people really in trouble at that time. So he was foremost saying that stuff, uh, which is one of those reasons he's a bad boy. So. Uh, by the time you're getting to The Godfather, even though he was such this big figure, they just thought, like, you know, you can't work with Brando. Brando's going to fuck everything up. Uh, so they didn't work. want him I, in The Godfather. That's an They didn't even fight. want him. And they, they made him. him audition. And you, you have to think, at this time, he, he used to be a major movie star. It's like having 
I don't know, Brad Pitt or like George Clooney wanting to show up to your film now and you going, nah, man, I don't know. You're going to have to, you're going to have to audition for it, right? Because if you don't know, big movie stars, a lot of them are offers only. Once you get to a certain height, they offer you money to do it. You don't have to go and audition anymore. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, usually point... they have like a list of four or five people that they want and, and they have a short list, you know, mm. at, the very, at the very most, it's like 10 and usually they'll, you know, but if they have someone that they think that might be like a dark horse in that running, it'll be, you know... And one of the things with Brando is he liked to basically... He liked to create his own characters. He didn't want what was written on the page for him. And, no. you know, I think there's not really a whole lot of that now, I don't think. You know, you don't you don't see someone that basically takes over a character the same way that Marlon Brando took over The Godfather... Because, um, yeah, you know, that comes from, you know, stage. I'm going to say that big up to theater people. Uh, Brandon well, was a I mean, stage actor. Had been do, Brandon actor had been first. doing, you know, um, you know, Streetcar Named Desire and uh, and, yep. and Underwater, from, not Underwater, from, definitely street, Streetcar Named Desire yeah, yeah, on, on stage. He'd been doing yep. that on stage before. So Brandon really was a stage trained actor, which... Back then, a lot of the actors that you saw had done the time before on stage, on Broadway and stuff like that. And usually, if they created or generated good buzz, they would um, they would make the next logical step. And Brando was that sort of actor that his roles carried that passion from stage. And yeah. again, just look at that... Like, on the Waterfront is really one of my favorite Brando films. Yeah. Early Brando. Um, yeah. So you can see that just to finish the Godfather story. Sorry yeah. before we get too far. So this is, you know, Big Star used to be offer only, but now he has to come in and audition for the Godfather. Someone they don't even want. They think like he's not going to do it. And he kills the audition so much that that's it. They're like, nope, Brando's the only person who can do this. And yeah. He comes in and changes that. And if you think now about the iconic movie The Godfather is, uh, a lot of that, that first one's just on the back of Brando himself and how he made Vito this alive character that he changed and made that voice. And, the, and as Rick said, the caring, that's not what's written on page. That's what Brando brought to that role. Uh, so he brought a lot to that role. And so to the point that I think that it's funny, you think about this. There's a Godfather trilogy, mm -hmm. right? Three films. Um, the second one was also a great film. Third one is probably not nearly as good as the first two. Not bad, but just it was based on a real story, which I think was kind of the wrong way to go with that because they based it on an actual, like with the Emanuel Orlandi situation and that Vatican Bank and all these other scandals that took place. Different story, different and, day. And one of the main actors in the cast that I, I don't want to throw any shade just wasn't up to snuff to the to the part she was given. Uh <laughs> right. And it wasn't supposed to be her anyway. It was supposed to be um the girl that was on my sister Sam, but she was murdered by a stalker. Um so it it wasn't even supposed to be her, like it was legitimately supposed to be um this other girl I, and I forget her name. It wasn't Dominique Dunn, uh it was We'll talk about it another time. But going back to The Godfather, there's three films. But the iconic image, the iconic performance, and the thing that we still talk about today, 
when we refer to The Godfather as one of the greatest films of all time, like 50 years after the fact, because I think it's coming up on 50 now, right? No, 2020 would have been 50, I believe, right? Well, no, I think it was 71 that it came out. Was it 71 or... I think it was 71. I'm just double-checking. Yeah. No, Godfather 72. Okay, 72. Godfather okay, 72. Okay, so we're coming so we're, up on 50 years. Next year will be 50 years. We're yeah. coming up on 50 years. That film is still the iconic centerpiece that everyone talks about. Not to say anything negative about any of the other two. I'm just saying that's the one, like even the video games that they did are based and include in large part Marlon Brando's character. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that just tells you how just badass his performance was. Yep. I mean, it was... Like, you can't help but to stay... just You stay on that screen whenever the, the Godfather comes on. It doesn't matter. It's crazy. Yep. Like, that's how good he was. And he dies early in the film, too. Like, you know, he's not around for the whole film. Well, not early, but he No, does. he does He does when, like, Michael had already had his, his, his first son... Yes. And they're in the garden, and he basically dies after, like, when he's home recovering from being shot. Yeah. I think he dies towards the end. Um, spoiler. Um, uh, for, for almost a 50-year-old movie. For almost a 50-year-old <laughs> movie. But he dies, he, he does die toward, toward the end. I think it's towards the middle. Middle. Like, mid middle. It's, a long, it's a long movie, so yeah, technically, it feels like the end, but it's really not. Um, so he's not there throughout the whole movie, but he makes the whole movie. Yes. And that's really the year that was his prime year because in his comeback he also did Last Tango in Paris, yep. Yep. which was an incredible film um, mm -hmm. in and of itself. But he does this incredible, I mean, this, this performance just, I think, defined his career. And it's not, it's hard to say, like, one performance could define an individual's career when he did so many, had so many good ones. Yes. But this one in particular was holy crap. Yeah, I mean, he was amazing in Apocalypse Now afterwards, too. Superman, again, he's iconic in for the first 15 minutes of the <laughs> and movie. I, and Apocalypse Now, and Apocalypse Now, the funny part is he was actually supposed to have, like, a lot more. But he came in and he was so overweight that the reason why Colonel Kurtz is where he is, and you barely see, like that much of him is because he's he was overweight and it wasn't it wasn't what they were actually expecting nor what they wanted from him in apocalypse now you know which yep. was hilarious because again iconic not you know like you can't help but to think like if he had gone the way that they wanted it would it have been as good yep yeah, and that's where Brando's that bad boy. Brando really did show up and do whatever the hell he wanted. So uh, for those visual lookers, uh, I have The Island of Dr. Moreau, which is towards one of his last movies. I think it's like second to last or something. No, it's fourth to last. But towards the end of his career, last movie. Uh, it is a very bad movie. I love it. Uh, well, also, <laughs> like 95, 96? 96. Yeah. And it has Val Kilmer in it uh, uh, and everything else. But... Uh, it is not the best movie. It is not. But famously, he showed up on set, overweight, over everything, didn't bother read the script, didn't like the script, and just did whatever he wanted on every scene. Uh, <laughs> famously, just did what he wanted on every scene. Was like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. I feel like the character's just going to do this. Uh, 
Uh, and he was he was insanely outspoken. Like he did a movie. Uh, he made a movie in 1990, I believe, and this is around the time where his son was on trial for the murder of his daughter's husband, which was a it, it was a big I, I would say probably a big defining thing for him because this made news in 1990, and I don't know how much of this you remember, but back then I was like, I think I had just turned 11 when that happened. It was early 90, early to mid 90. This thing ate up the news. I mean, it was every magazine, every tabloid, everywhere you went, all you heard about was the, Mar- the uh, Christian Brando trial, mm. right? So he two films had been released that he did between 89 and 90, which one was The Freshman, which I loved because it was the spoof on The Godfather. And again, not like, I wouldn't say it was a fantastic film, but it was funny. Mm. And again, he he kills it. Mind you, it had Matthew Broderick, who was another stage actor, was a really good actor, but it's not about Matthew Broderick. This is Marlon Brando doing and stuff. And in 90, 1990, Matthew Broderick is huge. He's massive. He's still a huge, still a huge, yeah, star, he's a yeah. huge star, yeah. And then, you know, so there's that, and then there's one that he did about... Can you look up the title? Because it was about apartheid. It was like, he was a South African politician in this film. And there was a lot of controversy with this particular film. Um, I think the studio was pissed off for whatever reason, and he did this interview with Connie Chong where he referred to no, the studio. A dry white season? You're talking yeah, about? a dry white season. And he talked to Connie Chong and he said, you know, I don't want some bumpkin telling me what I need to do, some studio bumpkin. <laughs> like, Bradley just didn't give two shits. He was like, I, I mean... Really, you're gonna tell? I'm fucking Marlon Brando, man. I'll I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Yep, yeah. yep, and that's 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 literally does, and it's it's and, and I think that's funny. And when I say it, I don't think there's any stars that do that uh, anymore. And, and Marlon Brando, yes, a bad boy, but it's someone who could honestly back it up. His performances when he really would put it into it, i.e., God for Apocalypse Now, a dry white season. He wins awards. He just win awards because he's just amazing in them. Uh, in them, and it's something that you that you could never take away from Brando. He could bring it. But, but the stuff that he it. did, the stuff that he did, that I thought was awesome, isn't really even so much related to his films, like as as it is related to. Uh, he won an Oscar for The Godfather in 1973, and Roger Moore was presenting the, that Oscar. This is Roger Moore at the time where he's starting Bond. He had just finished doing um, The Saint on television, so he was a pretty big star. Um, I forget who the other person was, who the other presenter was, but out comes uh, this woman by the name of Sashi Little Feather. And this was epic. She, he did not go to the ceremony in, I think it was 73 where he wins the Oscar and so she little feather starts talking about the fact that he was shutting the ceremony because he was not happy with the way that Native Americans were being either portrayed or treated okay and like everybody starts booing and this poor woman is trying to finish the speech and essentially, it became like one of the most landmark moments of all time in the um, in the Academy Awards because Marlon Brando essentially just didn't want to like he was like you know I'm I'm gonna make a stand and here's how I'm gonna do it. But again, it just adds to that mystique. And 
I think the cool thing about Brand is the fact that he was a link to a past of people that went way too early, like mm-hmm. Jimmy Dean, um, Steve McQueen, uh, Montgomery Clift, actors like that that were absolutely amazing, but they left too soon for one reason or another because there was a lot of hard living back then. Yep. I mean, you, people say, oh, I, my life is all about sex and drugs and rock and roll. No, this was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It just, you didn't hear about it a lot. Nope. But, you know, Marlon Brando was all about that. So when you see something like that, it was like, he is literally the epitome of that. And it, it, it sort of makes you wonder how your icons would have sort of grown <laughs> as they grew older. <laughs> and then you realize, well, no... Because like you know James Dean liked fast cars and you know you know what happened there yeah uh, and you know uh, Steve McQueen you know loved fast cars to the point that the asbestos in the racing suits is what messed him up eventually mm. so it's like yeah it was the hard living and somehow Brando was the one guy that survived but it didn't matter that he got insanely fat like he would do crazy stuff he had that one interview i don't know if you remember seeing that interview with uh with larry king the first interview on larry king live it's like the first thing he's done in years Mm -hmm. i think it was 94 95 and it was like a two-hour interview so marlon brandon has an island island in 96 um, i think it is yes i think 96 okay 96 he has this island in tahiti yep okay and I believe it's like a hundred year lease thing where it's basically his lease for a hundred years, something like that. I don't really know the, the actual story behind it. Um, one of his kids um, lives there now. And he he's like growing this plant. And out of this plant, he made these cookies. So he had a plate of cookies next to him in his house as Larry King is trying to interview him. And he's just saying all the funniest shit in the world. And at the end of the interview, because it was like a two-hour interview, he literally, they're singing, and he kisses Larry King in the mouth. And everybody's a buzz about that. And I'm like, that's how you know you're a freaking legend when you do, <laughs> you do just yep. random shit. And people are abuzz about everything that you do. Yep. And just to let you know a little more about Tahiti, he did fall in love with it, so he did build uh, some structures. He wanted to build a natural environment without these natural, like he wanted to build a house and everything without despoiling the natural environment there. Uh, So he wanted to make sure to protect all the seabirds and turtles and other things that were in danger. Because unlike what we talked about last week, he actually cared about the environment and conservation. So he wanted to make sure he did his research before building houses and villages. And true story about him him is he always had a lawyer um, on retainer working on patents and stuff like that for things that he could do. Um, specifically in that island, one of the things that he wanted to do was actually build a resort where people could enjoy the nature of um, of Tahiti and the ocean and stuff like that. I don't, I don't believe it ever came to pass. I, the, the, there is a resort on the island. It, there was like structures and hotels, but then like a hurricane destroyed a lot of it, and then mm-hmm. they rebuilt like a hotel in his name. I believe that was after his death. I'm not 100 sure, but I think that was after his death. Rich, yeah, 2014. Yeah. 
I just looked it up. So yeah, they, but that's you know he's been dead for <laughs> thirteen years. Been, the time they opened that. He's up. been dead. He's been dead for a while now, right? When, when did Marlon Brando die? I believe he died in two thousand and four. Yep. So wow. Ten years ago. Seventeen, yep. 17 years. He's been dead. It's incredible. Yep. So you know I. <clears throat> But again, he's one of those individuals that stood out because of the connection, I think, that he had between past and present. And you don't see yes. people like... Because you hear a lot like, oh, this he's got that Marlon Brando appeal. There's no one with the Marlon Brando appeal. I'm sorry. Like, Marlon Brando yeah. and something that we spoke about weeks ago when um, we had our partners here. You know, you can't want to be someone else. Mm. And if your bar is set at Marlon Brando, then I'm sorry, but you're going to have to figure out how to build a jetpack and fly to the other side of the universe because that ain't happening. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, be your, be your own. You won't be Marlon Brando. You got to be your own. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, it, you know, and but he was also a very private individual like because you heard a lot of stuff about Brando being a pain in the ass to work with on set and stuff like that, but you didn't wouldn't really hear a lot about Brando um, in his personal life. Like a lot of the stuff didn't really start coming out until about 1980, when uh, his ex-wife, the mother of I believe it was Christian Brando, um, like wrote a book about mm. her life with uh, with Marlon Brando. And of course, there have been rumors and things that have been said by a lot of people, and whether they're true or not, obviously we don't know anything about that because yeah, that he was by, he made up with yeah, you know, like, yeah, with like Richard Pryor and, Pryor and things like that. That's actually Quincy Jones said that, and then he caught a lot of shit for it. Mm. But um, you know, and I love Quincy, man. I love Qu Quincy's a freaking musical genius. But I'm like, dude, do you have actual proof on that? <laughs> Well, I, I'm gonna say this: Brando was down for the culture, and they did a lot of cocaine. <laughs> so. Which is funny because it's like people talk about people say about talk about coke in the '70s and stuff like that. And I remember, I think I read this thing by Orson Welles. It was like a statement that Orson Welles had made um, that. When he was introduced to cocaine, he was introduced to cocaine by um, by Errol Flynn on his yacht, the Zaka. And he loved it so much, he's like, I would have turned my life over to it. In a very dramatic, Orson Welles-esque fashion. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was... That did not just happen in the 70s, people, all right? That's been around forever. It's just okay, that it got... Yeah. It got openly popular in the 70s, and there's a difference between something being openly popular and, and privately held. Actually, in the in the 50s, it was worse because people were using heroin like it was candy, you yeah. know? So, I mean, you know. Yeah, and, and, the, and the Old West, and literally in the Old West, which I don't only think the Old West, we think so long ago, but this is 1890s, early 1900s, cocaine was literally a medicine for headaches. It was legal. It was legal and it was a medicine. There was a thing called cocaine drops. And the fact of the matter is, the reason why Coca-Cola is called, you know, not to get too much on a Coke tangent here, but the reason why Coca-Cola is called Coca-Cola is because it was coca leaf and the ingredient in Coca-Cola was cocaine. Yeah. It changed later on, but cocaine actually used to come in a glass decanter. It was a very luxurious item that you would buy in a pharmacy so mm -hmm. 
know? Yep. Yeah, so yeah, cocaine was know your, know your recommended, history. recommended, write prescriptions for it. That's why you could find it at a pharmacist, because <laughs> it was just a medicine. Well, so. hey man, you know, it's like Fen-Fen, it's illegal now, but remember back when it was legal? <laughs> 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 yeah. But, you know... Back to Brando. <laughs> no, back to Brando. Yeah, uh, but Brando, yeah, because even on his personal life, really, uh, you hear a lot of political life, because again, when I said he was down for the culture making those jokes, but it's very much true, and I said it a little bit before, but uh, civil rights leaders and icons, which again, I know nowadays we like to cover it and think all the country was like rah-rah, sis, behind civil rights, but that was, was not the case uh, for no. a lot of it. People like Martin Luther King were very hated. James Baldwin very hated. He even supported the Black Panther Party. And what about and what about and what about Medgar Evers, who was murdered? Mm-hmm. You know, before Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers was murdered. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like it was. Yes, it was a time of change. But the reason why there was so much turmoil is because the resistance to change mm-hmm. was insane, and not many people had the courage to come out and talk yes. about it. And actually, there are films that Brando did. There was one where he appeared where it was like a hippie film where I think he's like crucified at one point in that film. And it was like, there were a lot of like really big names. The film was kind of... It might have been a film by Michelangelo Antonioni now that I'm thinking about it because Michelangelo Antonioni was like a really revolutionary Italian director. And um, I think it might have been Sabrisky Place, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. It, one. it was in nineteen. It was late sixties, and I think he's crucified in the um, in the film, which was a very risque statement to make at that point in time in society, because you didn't, you know, film back then, prior to that period, from I would say about late 66 through about early, you know mid, mid 69 where films were insane and you had people like actors like Christopher Jones that was considered like he was going to be the next James Dean and stuff like that the next Brandon stuff but he only did like six or seven films and one of them was like that everybody was doing protest films mm-hmm. uh, everybody was doing protest films and that was a big no-no you didn't do that because that was deviating from the you know the story driven dialogue driven films that we've been used to Seeing where Brando himself had done, you know, so mm-hmm. many of those films. Um, actually, he had even done musicals. He did Guys and Dolls, which if you see Brandon, uh, Marlon Brando singing Luck Be a Lady Tonight, that is the most awesome spectacle you'll ever see in your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> is, imagine the Godfather. It's like crazy, (laughs) you know. No, no, I agree. He—he was just up with doing uh, protest films, doing politics. He refused to do any films in South Africa for apartheid. Even that dry white season you talked earlier was a comment on that. Once you know apartheid was ending, and that was way before other people were doing it. As we mentioned before, the award show refused to get the Godfather Oscars. The treatment of Native Americans. So you know, Brando was very much an outspoken person about his politics more than his personal life really thought giving back in times where people are not good at that. And that's still true of Hollywood today because 
Hollywood wants to sell everything to the masses. And back then it was 100% true. You wanted to stay away from controversy with your stars. And for someone like Marlon Brando to come out and do things like that. He was, was paving huge. the road because people might be outspoken now. And, and you see a lot of things now. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he let the way for that. But he was legit about it. Oh yeah, he was legit about he was mouth, legit right? about issues of conservation. He was legit about issues of making sure that Native Americans were given their just due and respect. Mm -hmm. He was legit about civil rights and those things. Now, a lot of people might want to, you know, bring up his personal life. We're not talking about the man's personal life. Let's mm -hmm. be clear about that. Um, you know, choices or preferences or life or this or that—that's his business. But I'm just saying what we know about the politics that are allowing people in the industry to now have a more open voice because if you were a star you were a product yep you kept your mouth shut mm -hmm. okay if your personal choices were not welcomed by the studio then what was going to happen is a life was going to be crafted and created for you yep all right and it isn't until people really start speaking out that you see things that you wouldn't otherwise have seen because everything was very segregated and very separated. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, not to get on a soapbox here, but that's bullshit and should never happen. It should never have happened, period. Okay? Yep. And, you know, but with Marlon Brando, he was sort of he, he helped sort of served as a conduit to okay fucking use your celebrity for a little bit more than just appearing pretty yep do something yep you have a power you have mm -hmm. the power to influence the masses you know yep. so it helped he helped yeah. his yeah, own he his own way of doing things I mean, he was a controversial individual in a lot of ways, and I get that. But, you know, when you're being controversial, I mean, like, you're not, like, it's it's not going to please everyone, you mm. know? And, and I, you know, other people have to, you know, sort of understand that, too, and, and put that in perspective in proper context. So I think that he did that. And, you know, even through his films, there was a lot of that. Um, because Colonel... Quartz, that the you know the uh, Kurtz Kurtz in uh, in Apocalypse Now, that was a commentary on Vietnam. Mm -hmm. You know, people have a tendency to forget Vietnam engulfed this country for more than seventeen years. Actually, with the start was in fifty eight, not in the sixties. The really yeah. bad fighting was in in the middle of the sixties. And if you know the, the history, you know and understand that we lost nearly 60,000 people there. And a lot of people died unjustly and unnecessarily for a war that even to this day we really cannot explain. You yep. know, you have or to look lost. a lot of further, you have to look further in. And we lost so many people and so many people lost their chance to have a life because they were serving their country. And, you know, with that particular character... He is basically playing an individual that has become jaded to the cause. And that mm. speaks... He might be considered the antagonist. He might be considered the villain even. But he's speaking to being jaded to the cause that he came in for. Mm. And it was a big... 
political statement. However, again, looking at it from a perspective of, okay, you know, when did he, when was this film made? And I don't recall the exact year for Apocalypse Now. I always thought it was 75 for whatever reason, 76, but it might have been later. Uh, it, Apocalypse Now came out in 79. 79, uh, okay. That's what it does. But, you know, shooting is always different from... So it, it was... working a long time to get that... Coppola was and getting that made. It was uh, four years after the um, pullout in Saigon, in Saigon, which was incredibly hmm. bloody and incredibly horrible. So, again, there's some historical context there. So, obviously, it's different than making a protest in the, in, yeah. in the, in the 60s. Yeah, assumingly it, 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 for this, it's said that they wrote the script in 69 for Apocalypse Now. So, they were, they were working on Apocalypse Now for... Yeah, it, it, it was 10 years between development, production, and, and editing and stuff like that. And I mean, Apocalypse Now is one loud damn film. I mean, people, you talk about Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now is right up there. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. um, and it was it was one of those things that when you see it, it's like, holy crap, this is really strong. And I was not allowed to watch Apocalypse Now until I was, again, probably in my late teens. Because you didn't understand stuff like that as a kid, and you start really asking more questions than anything else. Um, the movies know. are like that are really why they Vietnam itself uh, and people like Brando is why the U.S. government and military has completely changed the way uh, you can talk about and film the military, the U.S. military. Yeah. Uh, even coverage of Americans coming home and body bags and caskets, which after Vietnam was outlawed on TV, is why we don't see it to this day, even though we've been in a war for 20 years in the US, uh, that is just technically ending with massive loss of life, but we don't get to see it because of kind of what was happening. Exactly, and, and, and I mean, you know, uh, with situations like that, you know, and films like Apocalypse Now and stuff like that, you, you have a tendency, like, if, if you haven't seen Apocalypse Now, I highly recommend that you see it. Uh, I highly recommend you see yeah, it. Yeah. Um, Honestly, because for Brando's work, you've probably seen The Godfather. If you haven't, check You've definitely seen out. Superman. Yeah, you've probably seen... Just, just to say, I'm going to get the bigger... The ones that you've probably seen out the way, right? Like Godfather. You've probably seen those. See Apocalypse Now. That's probably maybe one you haven't seen. That is definitely a good one to see. Yeah. Well, it, you know, the funniest part to me about Brando... Um, is that he was so good that even after death, his performances were um, show stealers. What am I getting to? Uh, the Superman film with Brandon Ralph. That thing had been in development for years. Originally, it was going to be something with Nicolas Cage. That didn't work out. And um, they chose Brandon Ralph. And, um, you know, I wasn't a particular fan of that film. But the mm-hmm. best performance turned in on that film were the edited <laughs> audio of a f- of the late Marlon Brando stuff that hadn't been used in um, in uh, Superman 1 or 2 you know so it was to me it it was kind of a of a posthumous posthumous yeah like kind of a small tribute to Marlon Brando and just how good he was. You know. I agree. So uh, as we start getting towards the end here and wrap it up, I want to give us some time to actually suggest some things. Um, and I want to suggest like 
for myself, and I'll go a little first before I so let you think. Yeah. Suggest kind of some older movies of Brando and why I'm suggesting them, uh, and kind of go through so you can see the differences of his acting style and his greatness that kind of carries on through these years. Mm -hmm. So one of the first performances that I saw Brando in, um, besides The Godfather, this is actually when I saw him before, it's because of my stage background acting, is actually Julius Caesar when he played Mark Anthony in 53. Uh, and if you see his, uh, you know, friends, Roman countrymen, give me your ears speech, that big Mark Anthony speech. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, every actor dreams and aspires to do that speech. It's such a good speech. Um, check that check that one out. It's back in 53. Uh, so it's really old uh, one there. I say check that one out. Uh, it's an older one. It's a little Shakespearean, so you know you can have that one. But you could see kind of how he is when I would say he's towards his, it, it, the beginning and he's getting towards his height over there Peak, right and yeah. then and then even to see um because i'm gonna let you do some other ones i was gonna say guys and dolls because seeing him sing is is kind of fun but i'm like it's hilarious uh and most people seen the godfather i'm gonna take this one away from rick do see the last tango in paris i think that's one not a lot of people have seen versus the godfather in terms of our generations and older and i think that one is greatly then to see uh, as well. And then I want you to see The Island of Dr. Monroe. Because uh, it is a, like I said earlier, it's not a good film. It's a bad film. Uh, but it's in, it, it's insane. The insanity of it is kind of there. So if you're watching him do such good speeches in like 53 with Julius Caesar, uh, you go and see stuff like, um, you know, Godfather, Last Tango in Paris, to even a dry white season, to then go and see the island of Dr. Monroe and just see how much Brando did not care. Uh, I think it's hilarious. And then read some behind the scenes, how he kind of just took it, ran with it, and did whatever the hell he wanted with that character uh, to see that clout. Because I think it's really funny just to see that. And I still love his performance. It's it's The movie's not good, but I still love his performance, even though it makes no sense in the context of the movie. Uh, he also wouldn't do resuits. He did what he wanted, and they had to do with what they had. Uh, so <laughs> and his outfit... Uh, in the movie, visual visual ones can actually see his outfit. Uh, I have a little behind me of what he's wearing. It's kind of like that because that's what he would do with makeup and everything else. Uh, it's insane behind the scenes stories about Brando just kind of did whatever he wanted on that film and they had a hodgepodge it together. Uh, so I think see kind of all of that and see this evolution of this, this kind of bad boy of Hollywood to see why he was so enduring of a legacy to see earlier um, sooner and even later when he didn't care and what he could bring to a role. I really think that will give you a good idea of Brando. Uh, uh, of course, all the most famous ones and whatever Rick is going to suggest uh, there also. All right. Well, so those were some great ones. Um, obviously, The Godfather would be right at the top of the list. And what Jonathan said um, with regards to The Last Tango in Paris, ridiculously amazing film. Um, Streetcar Named Desire, which I think really kind of brought him to the forefront as far as young actors was concerned, uh, were concerned, really. Um, let me look up the year here because I want to make sure that I have that correct. Uh, he had done that on stage. He's played 51. Stanley Kowalski. He did that in 51. Um, that was an Ilya Kassan film. And uh, his performance is gritty. He plays Stanley Kowalski to a T. Is that... You know, chauvinist, 
horrible individual who just is frail mentally in a lot of ways broken and just he really makes that work he made that his own um you see the the iconic scene where he's yelling stella stella you know stella that's like just an iconic performance the um one that i would say after that in this one he did um in 54 it was on the waterfront oh yep again an Ilya Kassan film it seemed like a lot of those early performances were like Ilya Kassan performances you know that that he was being directed in so that particular film is I mean he plays such a almost endearing character in a way you know um unique uh going forward i have to say obviously apocalypse now because mm. of all the reasons that we mentioned i think that in apocalypse now he really does an incredible job of t taking that character and making it almost sympathetic in a way um, and it's very hard for you to sympathize with a villain you know but he does that um as we go on Oh yeah, guys and dolls, because that, <laughs> luck be a lady tonight. That song is like hearing Vito Corleone. It is hearing Vito Corleone sing. I mean, because he, he just mumbles through the whole damn way. And so you see this macho man, and Marlon Brando was always a big dude. I mean, he was always like a pretty stocky dude. He wasn't fat or anything, but he was pretty stocky. He was broad shoulders and everything like that. Had the you know square jaw, you know all that. So seeing him. The epitome of the macho man singing the, uh, Luck Be a Lady Tonight um, in such a colorful film, and this was, I think, one of his first color films, was great. Um, and then, of course, I have to I have to give props and shout-outs to um, Superman, because I grew mm -hmm. up with that. Nope. Um, no one understand that he steals the movie in those first 15 minutes, because just the way everything was done was perfect. And The Freshman. Yep. watching Brando really take a comedy and he wasn't that that prominent in it but he just he stole it he stole that film he stole it mm -hmm. period end of story so um, those are my picks for Brando movies and my recommendations for Brando movies you know um, yep. really dive in uh, it's a fascinating character he was a character period end of story he was a character and that is why we did a podcast on him so yep uh, and so, you know, a part of this filmmaking for our independent filmmakers out there, learn some of the greats and the historians and actors and see performances and what people liked and what made them big. Uh, the more film you watch, the more you get engrossed to it, the better filmmaker you'll become. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> know and understand that if you know your past, whilst, you know, if you study the past while, while creating, you know, while working in the present and working for a future, you're going to do a lot better than you think. So. Yep. 100%. So those are our recommendations for this week. So the only thing I guess we have left is hints on our documentary. Uh, I know we didn't do any last week. Uh, that's because uh, the subject for last week just, just got us so heated that we never did any hints. Uh, so we'll make it up. Yeah. Both of us will give you a hint this week to make it up for it. Sure. Um, so, so my hint this week is going to be sand. Hmm. 
I think that's going to be my, uh, you can hit it on the head if you, if you, <laughs> if you're following all my hints. <laughs> all right. So, um, I have a hint too. Um, I mean, I don't know, but it, I guess it's close. Um, crawfish, <laughs> crawfish, definitely crawfish. I can see that. I also, that. I have another hint. <laughs> Major Roy Fokker. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give another hit and say that one is a behind the scenes hint. And so, <laughs> what? So you want me to give an actual on the scene hint? Yeah, yeah let's give it on the scene. Oh, let's behind the come scenes on, hint. man! I love the behind the scenes shit. All right, all right, fine. And I didn't even curse the majority of the podcast. It's terrible. Um, I guess I, I'm cursed out from last week. <laughs> um, Topo Gijo. Oh yeah, that's a good Top one. Top Top that is that is a good one. Yeah, that's right. That is a good one. So uh, I, I guess I should go with the second hint then, because that's a that's an amazing hint. Uh-huh. So I think I can really top this one. Um, I think it's gonna be the best hint I could ever give, and this should give it away. Right. So everyone, if you're paying attention, I want you to listen to this hint. This hint is about to give it just all away, um, and Rick's gonna get so mad at me for this right. hint. Right. I think he's gonna just get. He's, he's, he's just gonna be like, you know what? I can't believe you you gave up this hint. Um, and I'm gonna say it. Halloween. There you go. <laughs> All right. So I feel that now we need to do three and three <laughs> for behind the scenes because I think it'll help. Yeah. <laughs> so I think with Halloween, I've just I, given I'm it just away. Gonna but, it, uh... I'm just gonna. But also, I'm doing it because I'm trying to see how much I can get you to lose your shit. <laughs> that's really the right. only reason why i'm doing it but yeah i want to give you a chance to also get me back around so, and then we can and then we can wrap it up so uh, go, ahead, go ahead with yours okay a behind the scenes hint okay i'm gonna say this one for a bit for, for behind the scenes sushi <laughs> <laughs> got you already i got oh, you already <laughs> all right all right all right I, I, okay, man, it's fine it's fine it's fine <laughs> Seaweed butter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, uh, creaky ladders. Creaky ladders. Please. <laughs> and I got one more to do? Uh, yeah, you got one more to do. Flakes. <laughs> oh my god. You bastard. Oh. I asked for the win right there, baby. That's for the win. You got one more. You can do it. You can do it. Like, I just won right that one. Um, Dave's hot chicken. <laughs> it does air, yeah. Hot chicken. Ah! Woo! Hot chicken. with that that's another week of cinemagic podcast thank all of you for tuning in i hope those hints really help you know what we're working on uh also if you follow us on instagram those hints probably will help you what you're seeing on our instagram yeah it'll help help you put stuff together um i hope you're keeping a list um Mm. you should probably be checking it twice it yep. doesn't matter if you've been naughty or nice. <laughs> Sorry, man. I was I was I was in a roll. But yeah, um, 
Yeah, we hope you can guess it. <laughs> yeah. So go out there to the podcast, say hi to Allie over there as well. Uh, tell her that we sent you by when you're on our Instagram saying hi. Uh, tell her again, chocolate videos. Um, also, just just keep harassing her with that. Chocolate so. rain. Uh, <laughs> that's what we do. Uh, so we'll see you next week on Cinematic Podcast. See you next Bye. week. Bye.